Hey there, and welcome to the Element of Betrayal podcast. Grab a drink, settle into your favorite chair, and relax. Unless you're like me and you like to cook and clean while you listen, either way, I hope you enjoy the show. Every like, share, and comment that you throw my way is like a high five from the internet gods, and it's like giving me a turbo boost to reach even more awesome people just like you. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. Hello and welcome back. This is our third episode. I am super excited. I just announced that the podcast is in editing and production, I guess you'd call it. So really excited to release it this Sunday, actually. I'm recording right now and it's Friday. Sunday, I will hopefully have five of these episodes ready to go. Today, we are going to dive into my testimony, which is one of my most popular blogs. And I got a lot of feedback on it and people loved it. So I'm really excited to share it with you guys today. I was born in La Mirada, California to my parents, Charles and Donna. We didn't stay in California long and ended up moving to Houston, Texas, where my first brother was born. Two years later, we ended up in Washington, where my youngest brother was born. This is where we stayed and we grew up. My early childhood was difficult as my father found out he had cancer when I was around five or six years old. Shortly after the diagnosis, he got scared and we found a church for us to start attending. I read a letter he wrote while he was battling cancer that he was scared of his family being alone without him. My younger brothers and I were bounced around a lot toward the end of his battle while my mom stayed in the hospital with him. We even stayed in a crisis center when there was no one else that would watch us. Right before my seventh birthday, he passed away. We moved shortly after, and I started a new school in third grade. My mom had just become a single parent of three young kids and became the sole income earner. She went to college to get degrees and then worked full-time after graduating. She was busy and tired most of the time. I remember my mom meeting her boyfriend, Scott. He took up a lot of her time outside of work. He would take us all on family trips while he would go hang gliding or to the Grand Coulee Dam to see the light show. He taught us how to carve on wood and to paint. He didn't have much experience raising kids before. He only had one son, and he didn't live with him during this time. Where my choices changed my life. I remember the night I decided to start drinking and using drugs. My mom and I had planned some time together, which I desperately needed. I was just shy of becoming a teenager, and I was going through all of the emotional changes that come with it. When she called to tell me that she was going out with Scott instead, I was done. As I was crying and hurting, I decided to call my aunt. She just so happened to be having a party, and I decided to go. My aunt was an alcoholic and was drunk almost all of the time. That night was the first of many bad decisions. My older cousin, from a different aunt, was living with my aunt at the time. She was a Wiccan, and she was teaching me how to use tarot cards, and I began experimenting with witchcraft. That's when I decided to walk away from God and Christianity. I was done with their unloving teachers, harsh rules, and legalistic views. I attended a Nazarene church at the time, and I couldn't understand how a God so powerful could allow all these things to happen to me. My resolve was only strengthened as I continually got hurt more and more. Most of my teenage years were spent either drunk, high, or running away from home. I was on probation from the age of 13 until I graduated from drug court probation at the age of 17. I was on drug court probation because when I was in high school... This is a little bonus. I didn't have this on my blog. I brought my brother's Adderall to school. They found it, and you can't have drugs like that at school. So I immediately got shipped off to juvenile. That was fun. And I got put on what was called drug court at the time. You go through this drug court for a year, and then all the 
charges uh, are erased from your record. I bounced around many high schools after being kicked out. Every other week I was in juvenile and I loved it there. The structure, the friendships, and the endless adult attention from people that actually cared about me. This is where I thrived. I was also in and out of crisis centers and drug rehabilitation centers. As you can imagine, the friends I made were top tier. Then I put a little trigger warning because I mentioned that I was raped, sexually abused, and betrayed emotionally and physically many times by the people I thought that cared for me. I was so alone, scared, and broken. There are too many stories to recount here, but this time of my life was so difficult. The move that changed everything. The summer that I turned 17, my mom's boyfriend, moved to California for a job. He had gone to college for a very specific line of work. I don't remember what it was, but it had something to do with water purification, I think. It was very specific and he couldn't do it up here, so we moved to California. They weren't married yet, but they had been dating for about five years. We moved to California after he bought a home. At first, everything was amazing. The weather was great, school was fun, and my brother and I made lots of friends. I started a job at Burger King that I was really good at. Between school and work, I didn't have a lot of free time, so I'd play video games to pass the time at home. I started making friends and wanted to hang out with them. Scott didn't like my attitude, and one night, after I had been out late without permission, we got into a fight. And at this point, since I don't have, <clears throat> I have a little bit more time to talk about it, uh, I had started making friends and wanted to hang out with them, and he wouldn't let me. Um, he ended up putting a deadbolt lock on my door that locked both ways. He would lock me out during the day and, and, and the, during the night uh, so that I couldn't leave because I would just go hang out with my friends. My mom never said anything, never did anything. It was all him, um, and I didn't feel like he had authority over me because he was not my dad. He wasn't even my stepdad, um, but I was living in his house, so that was where the, the fights happened, so we argued often. Future Charlene here. I forgot an important part of this story while I was editing. So during this time, I was dating a guy. And one night when I went over to his house pretty late, uh, I wasn't supposed to be there, but I went over anyways. His dad, it wasn't his dad. He was staying with this family, but his dad took me home and he'd been drinking and he kept making weird comments towards me and then he said he wanted to go fishing with me mind you it was 10 o'clock at night and while we were there it was close to Halloween and we were talking about Halloween costumes he was telling me that he wanted me to wear it while we went fishing and I was really creeped out because as you know my the past I had been around a lot of really creepy people so the red flags were all there so I was I got really scared because he wasn't taking me home and then I said okay how about this you take me home so I can go get my outfit I'll put it on and you come back and pick me up in an hour and he was like okay deal so he dropped me off at home and I went inside and then I went and woke up my mom and her boyfriend and told them what was happening and they were kind of mad obviously because I was home late <laughs> but um, I, I hopefully got across how scared I was. So my mom's boyfriend was like, all right, well, if he comes back, then we'll have an issue. And so I felt protected. He never came back. And then the next morning they called me, the wife and my boyfriend called me asking if I had seen where the husband had gone. And I told them he had dropped me off. And um, then the wife asked me, honey, did anything else maybe happen? And I was like, what? So I told her what had happened and then she started crying because apparently he had had issues with younger kids. I mean, I was 17 at the time, but I was still underage and this guy was like 35 years old and he was a pastor. 
So I was really freaked out because she never told me that and allowed this drunk guy to take me home, even though he had had prior, I'm pretty sure he was a sex offender and they just weren't telling me and I freaked out. And so then that, I think that's why we got in the fight. Um, so I think this was the night before we had the fight my mom's boyfriend was pretty much telling me if you wouldn't just sneak out, then I would be able to protect you better. So one night we got into a fight and he knocked my beanie off of my head. He didn't actually hit me, but my beanie was kind of up and he smacked it off of my head. The next morning he sent an email to my mom and said that he wanted me out and that I could go back to Spokane. Without discussion, I was unenrolled from school. I quit my job. And that same day we started the drive to Washington. So I remember waking up on that day and my mom said that she had gotten an email that said that I needed to leave and she tried to not say it was him, but like clearly it was. Um, And I remember like not really fighting it because that's what I wanted to do, but I was confused that she was allowing him to kick me out. Like I thought my mom would stop that. So that was a little discouraging and I remember crying because I loved my job and I loved my school and I realized I had to leave all of this stuff and move back to my hometown and it was really hard. We didn't talk much on the 16 hour drive. I remember being so angry I didn't care that I was going back. When we arrived she dropped me off at a friend's house and gave me $200. She then gave me a hug and told me to take care of myself and then she got in her car and just drove away. During this time I stayed in three different drug and alcohol abused homes with three different levels of chaos. I would bounce between two when it became too unsafe and one. So if you remember in my last story, I talked about my aunt's house, the crash house is what we called it, or Kenny's house. And then there was another friend that I stayed with when I originally moved up there. So I stayed with her for a little bit and her mom until her mom gambled away all the money for groceries. And I decided that that was probably not a good place to stay. So I moved in with Kenny in the crash house and that was before a lot of people moved in over the next few months many people moved in including the two men from my last story that assaulted me and I decided to move in with my alcoholic aunt so I ended up bouncing between the two of them and then just decided I was done going back to Kenny's house I couldn't get a job without a stable housing situation ultimately I met my husband in a weird chain of events a friend of mine had mentioned him and I was baffled that she would want to be with a Christian boy when that's not the sort of people we hung out with (laughs) I was trying to finish high school, stay fed, and keep myself safe from the men that were at the houses that I stayed at. Um, So I didn't really mention much about like the stories that I mentioned in the first one. We hung out with a bunch of people that were just drug addicts. They drank a lot. They liked to party. So when I found out one of my friends, she was friends by proxy because I was friends with her boyfriends at the time. And she was trying to hook up with my husband. Well, he wasn't my husband at the time. So she she was trying to hook, hook up with this boy that she was talking about. And I was like, we don't hang out with Christians and good boys. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't do any of that. So I was like, what the heck? We don't. And you're already dating someone. What are you doing? So the decision that brought me back. I stole the number of this guy from my friend and started talking to him. He sounded much better than all of the chaos I was surrounded by. And I wanted out. The men in the house that I was currently living in tried to assault me. But by God's grace, the owner came home earlier than expected, and they all scattered. I moved out that night. 
I was scared and so tired of living the life I was living. I moved in with my aunt and my uncle because their fighting and her alcoholism were better than my safety at risk every day. Lance and I started dating and I started going back to church. I was so broken and I had nothing left to give to God, but he took me back anyways. I have chased after God ever since. I have been deeply hurt by the church and the messy people that reside within it. I had a hard time viewing God as a father since I never really had one, and all the men in my life either hurt me or left me. But I now know where I belong, even when life around me seems to fall apart. God is my constant, and he has been beside me through all that life has handed me. I wouldn't trade my faith for anything, and I have worked so hard to overcome the fears, failures, and the choices that I've made, and that were made for me. I wish there was a happily ever after, but we know that's not how life works. That's a blog for another day. My walk with God now. I had never been baptized, and I used this as a way to start over. I gave my heart to God again and vowed to walk with him for the rest of my life. I sealed the deal with my baptism at 18. Now, even in my darkest hour, I run to him. I bring my insecurities to him, and I do my best to reach out to others instead of fighting alone. But he's always my first resource. I go to his word and I pray. I'm so thankful for the few people in my life that I can go to to dump all my thoughts and my fears on, but God is my go-to friend when I am in need. I study his word so that my heart and my mind are filled with his words over my own. I know he has a plan for the hurts I have experienced and I know his heart broke too. This world sucks, but it's also filled with his wonders and his beauty. I remember when Lance and I got together, we started dating. And I'd never really dated someone that dated properly. The guys that I dated were just, you dated to hook up. Um, so going out to eat with him and going to the movies, going on rides, going to church together was all new for me. So I hung out with him as much as I could. The church that we decided to go to will be, you'll hear more about it in my marriage testimony. They were very abusive. They wanted me to stay single so that they could use me the way that they wanted to use me. They would tell horrible stories about Lance and lie. I came to find out that Lance actually thought I started those stories, but no, it was the people that in the church that did that. It was kind of like they were creating stories between us. Like I didn't know they were happening. He didn't know they were happening, but everyone in between did. So that was fun because we broke up a couple times before we got married. Most of the times were family influenced. One of the times I tried to make chicken in his house to save money because I was going to go get a hamburger and french fries. But I thought, okay, I can save $7 and I can just make some chicken at home. Lance taught me. Well, he deep fried. So I turned on the fryer. It was just a pot full of oil. I turned it on high because that's what he did. And then I went to the computer to read something. It's either playing a game or reading something. Then I started hearing popping and I'm like, oh crap, yeah, the, the oil. And I come around the corner and it is just an inferno flying out of that pan. And I'm like, oh crap, what do I do? Had a cell phone. Didn't grab the cell phone. I grabbed the house phone and ran out. Well, the house phone, the base was in the kitchen. So by the time I grabbed the phone, ran outside, I got the dogs outside, ran downstairs, like out the front, it's a split level, called 911, told them what was going on, got the address out. The phone just died because it ate. So it had wrapped herself around that kitchen and melted the phone base. And it was just, oh my gosh, I still can't cook bacon because of the popping and stuff. I can't handle that noise. It's just like a trauma response. That was difficult. Um, that put a lot of strain on me and his family. A lot of people were trying to say I did it on purpose. 
it was definitely an accident and I really didn't mean to, but there was people making stories and stuff like that. And I guess the fire chief said that there was no way I should be alive with how, with what my story was. So the only thing that I can say is if my story, what happened with seeing the smoke, grabbing the phone or seeing the blaze of fire hitting the cabinets above the stove, grabbing the phone and running outside. And then, um, I believe that's when it just started spreading. Um, that was by the grace of God that I got out of there then because I don't remember any smoke. I don't remember anything like that, but obviously I was in panic mode. (laughs) Um, I didn't even grab my phone, my cell phone, which would have worked. So in my panic state, I'm like, I need a phone. I would have grabbed the house phone. (laughs) Could have grabbed the cell phone. Did not. He ended up breaking up with me over that. Um, I think it was family influenced again. He was very, very influenced by his family. And that's, that will be in our marriage testimony, which will be in a few weeks. Um, Actually for you guys, it'll be in two weeks. That was a really uh, troubling time. Life goes on, I guess. We're back together now, and now it's like a, a story. Hopefully my kids will never do that. I'll have to tell them about oil when we don't really deep fry anything. So she doesn't either anymore. She used to deep fry a lot of stuff, and then her gallbladder and her heart were like, could you stop? And so there's no more deep frying going on. But that was what he did. He used to cook. He would deep fry chicken for me. So I was trying to save money definitely wish I would have went and got the hamburger and french fries for sure. So now uh, my stepdad and I, we have a much better relationship. My mom and I have a better relationship, but it took a long time to gain all of that back. And I was pretty, it was pretty rough during my teenage years. I remember someone that I met in juvenile we were roommates and so you're kind of stuck with them. I would spend about 10 days total because I would go every other week and I'd gotten so many contempt of courts or contempt of court that I had a stack of them but they were not illegal it was just me running away that I wasn't I didn't get in trouble thank god like I got in trouble and had to do jail time but they didn't like I didn't end up getting kicked out of drug court so that was I was very thankful for that judge um for knowing that I was just being stupid and not actually a criminal but I loved juvenile. I remember, I still remember the feelings that I get from juvenile, even though it sucked to not have your freedom. Like I had food anytime I wanted. Well, not anytime I wanted, three times a day, (laughs) but I had exercise. I had friends. Um, I learned a lot. I loved school there. Um, All the staff knew me by name um, and they, they liked me as well. So I just really liked it there. Um, There was only a few times I didn't like it, and it was normally when there was, like, a high-profile person, and we had to, we were more on lockdown. That sucked. But other than that, it was really cool. And then the people that were in there for a long time, I would come in and out and see them, and so we'd catch up, and just stupid, stupid things like that. But I really liked it. And I used to, my, I would, I wanted to be a guard in a juvenile because I remembered how much they, they helped me. But yeah, I remember not choosing the right things. All the, th- the bad choices I made were just bad choices. They weren't life-changing bad choices. Um, they led me down some difficult paths, and I really wish I would have made some of the choices I made. I don't regret any of them because it made me who I am today. And there's been so many things that I can look back on and pull out something that I used in that time or learned from the difficult times and it gets me through what now seems like a silly little thing because I had to go through so much trauma and so much hurt that it takes a lot to wound me 
and set me off. So when I get angry, I know something's really up because <laughs> I don't really jump to that unless there's some injustice. I really, really cannot stand injustice anymore. I can't. Like if something doesn't seem right or someone's being hurt, I I get some I get some anger in there. Uh, I used to be the protector at the house as well. If people got too drunk, I was the one that took care of them. There was two young kids that lived there. I took care of them a lot. I was, I've been a caretaker for a long time. Mom? Yes, baby? It's my Where's your hot milk? You want to come say hi? Okay. This is my youngest. You say, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. And what's your name? Um, that name... The buddy. <laughs> no, what's your name? Um, I, Tavia. <laughs> Tavia. What's your favorite thing? Um, pencils. You like pencils? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Do you know you're so cute? Mm. You're so beautiful. And I love you. Mom, it's <gasps> wiggling. It is wiggling. That's the sound waves. Is that pretty cool? All right, can you tell everybody to see you next time? Um, yeah. Okay, tell everybody, make sure you subscribe. I'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> All right, that was my youngest. She is adorable, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. I now know that she loves pencils. She does like to do arts and crafts. She's very crafty. I told her I'm almost done recording, and then she, you know, she's been in here like three times. But I decided to let you guys hear her. I hope that this has been helpful to you I would love to hear your guys's testimonies and just stories of things that you've been through that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to reach more people I feel like more people are listening to podcasts than reading blogs I know it's true for me I pop in a couple podcasts in a, a queue and I just listen away while I'm cooking and cleaning and doing things around the house or just laying down and relaxing uh, I love podcasts. I would love to l know what kind of podcasts you guys listen to and what kind of things you're into and what kind of things you'd like to listen uh, to me talk about. Uh, what kind of topics you want to hear me talk about? Because after I get done going through my blogs, I don't have anything to go off of. I'm just going to be talking and I would love to start getting some people to share their stories. That's kind of where I'm at. So I would love to hear from you. All right. And that's all for this episode. I want to thank you guys for being here. And if you enjoyed the topics that we chatted about today, please let me know. And I'd love to hear what topics you're interested in. So drop them in the comments below. I'll see you over on Facebook. And until next time, remember, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true. So don't stop asking questions. Bye.